Welcome to the podcast of First Universalist Church of Minneapolis. We are a welcoming and progressive Unitarian Universalist congregation, deeply committed to love and justice. To learn more, visit us online at firstuniversalistchurch.org. Thank you both. Teamwork. <laughs> Good morning. There we go. Let's try it again. Welcome to First Universalist Church of Minneapolis. We are a Unitarian Universalist community of faith, which means we value every individual and the entire web of existence of which we are a part. Love holds the one and the all. We are a community of many faiths which share common values and we worship by lifting up that which is of worth to challenge our minds, renew our hearts and spirits, and guide the work of our hands. My name is Lori Stevens and I am your ministerial intern for this church year. I'm very glad to be leading worship this morning with Reverend Arif Mamdani, Lauren Wyeth, Dr. Glenn Thomas Rideout, Franco Holder, and Sylvie and Beatrice, our wonderful chalice lighters this morning. Thank you to all the first few volunteers who make Sundays happen, who bring flowers, who put up these beautiful and thematically appropriate banners, who teach RE, and all those who will make our barn dance later today a delight for everyone who attends. We are so glad you all could be here with us this morning, both online and in person. If you have come expecting perfection, I encourage you to change your mind. But if you have come to find a place with a people who want to build a community where no one is too young, too old, too queer, too hetero, where no one is too black, too brown to matter, too white to get woke, where, where no one is too wealthy, too poor, too disabled to lead our common journey, too ineloquent to have a voice, where no one is too timid to make a difference that shakes the status quo, where no one is too broken to be worthy, then you have found just the place. Welcome. <laughs> Love is alive here and growing in our hearts and in our hands. Come, let us celebrate. Let us choose the truth and joy. Let us comfort and keep each other for a while. And may the power of what we realize in this hour come to heal us and move with us into the wider world, put all our pettiness to sleep, and awaken the fullness of our compassion. Let us begin with these words by Joy Atkinson. Whose page I definitely know. The womb of stars embraces us. Remnants of their fiery furnaces pulse through our veins. We are of the stars, the dust of the explosions cast across space. We are of the earth. We breathe and live in the breath of ancient plants and beasts. Their cells nourish the soil. We build our communities on the harvest of our gifts. Our fingers trace the curves carved in clay and stone to forebears unknown to us. We are a part of the great circle of humanity, 
gathered around the fire, the hearth, the altar. We gather anew this day to celebrate our common heritage. May we recall in gratitude all that has given us birth. Each week when we gather for worship, we light our chalice as a uh, symbol of our Unitarian Universalist faith, of the fire of truth, the light of love, and the warmth of community. And I invite Sylvia and Beatrice to come forward and help us to light our chalice this morning. Please join us for saying the words for lighting our chalice. Love is the spirit of this church, and service is its law. This is our great covenant to dwell together in peace, to seek the truth in love, and to help one another. <laughs> Definitely some spring energy going on in this... Uh in this sanctuary today. Y'all keep an eye on that chalice. Right. Make sure it doesn't get too springy. I see y'all who already had your spring clothes out like me. Winter stuff is put away. I'm not getting it out again. Nope. No. Snow? There's no snow. No snow. Arif, have you ever watched a seed grow? Have you ever noticed how it begins so small, so still, so quiet? like a gift waiting to be opened, and how slowly it wakes up, begins to unfold, growing into something larger and larger and larger. But it depends on what you're growing, doesn't it? Of course it does. But if you've watched a seed, then you know that whatever comes from a seed usually ends up looking very little like the seed it came from which is also true of the very first seed. Once, long, long ago, way back before the beginning. But it could have been yesterday, or, or this morning, or tomorrow. Yes, 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 it could have been yesterday, or this morning, or tomorrow. But in all of those times, there was, or is, or will be, a before the beginning, a long, long ago, when there was no such thing as time, because there was no one there to count it. Oh. Yeah. Oh. And in this time before time, which came before yesterday and today and tomorrow, everywhere was a huge, deep, mysterious place, like something waiting to happen. There were no stars. No sun or moon, there was no place like earth. Not a drop of water, nor a single tree, not a rock or flowers, and no living beings anywhere. Wow. But in that deep waiting space was hidden the tiniest point of something no bigger than a little bitty seed. It wasn't a flower seed. It wasn't an elm seed. It was not a seed of corn, although all those things were included in that seed. Wow. You might call it an everything seed because that is what it became. No one knows where that first seed came from or how it was planted or how it knew in the way that only seeds seem to know how long to wait for just the right moment to sprout and grow. But all at once, this tiny seed, cradled and nourished in the deep soil of space, it woke up and it broke open and began to unfold, unfolding and unfolding and blossoming forth into an enormous blazing ball of bright light like a great-grandmother's son, and the universe was born. Out fluttered the galaxies like a storm of snowflakes swirling and gathering into the brightest, most blindingly beautiful clouds of stars. And out of those star clouds whirled our own star, 
the one we call the sun, and our earth, and our moon, and all the round spinning planets we have learned how to name. And this is the secret of that tiny seed. You and I were there at the very beginning, just as the idea for each leaf on a big oak tree lies hidden inside an acorn. We were there with all the stars and people, all the rocks and oceans, plants and animals and people, everything. Everything that is now, ever was, or ever will be was inside that first tiny seed. So whenever you hold a seed in your hand and wonder what it could become, imagine how you and all that is here once came from the tiniest speck of an everything seed before it sprouted and grew long, long ago. But it could have been yesterday or today or tomorrow. Yes, yes, yes. It could have been then or now or yet to come. Now, if this were an ordinary story, it would end right here. But Arif, as you helpfully remind us, this story of the universe keeps unfolding. What once began in a blazing blossom of light continues every day. New stars sprout open in the deep soil of space. New plants and animals appear on Earth. Seeds of many kinds are scattered everywhere to help us remember. And new people are born every day with the spark of that first light still alive and burning deep inside, waiting like the everything seed to shine in ways that are yet to be known. That, that is an amazing, amazing story. I love the idea that in the beginning there was a seed that carried everything. Everything, everything. And that it grew into everything. You know, that story makes me think about the story that we've been telling these last weeks about church, about the seeds that we plant here in this congregation and the seeds that we plant out in the wider world. Sometimes there are, they are real seeds that we plant, when we plant trees, when we plant food. Sometimes they are ideas, they are hopes, they are dreams, they are aspirations that we plant in the shared soil of this congregation. A few weeks ago, but we... But it, it could have been yesterday. It, it, or right now. It, it, yes, it, yep, it could, have been, could have been a few weeks ago, or it could have been yesterday, or right now. Mm -hmm. We sent paper out to folks in the congregation for folks that we had addresses for. And we invited you to come to church to grab a piece of this special paper if we did not have an address for you, if we did not get one in the mail, if, if you did not get one in the mail. We asked you, or we are asking you now, yeah. or tomorrow, or yesterday, to write on your seed paper. <laughs> you know, we get extra credit when we make Glenn Thomas laugh during a service. True fact. We invited you to write on your seed paper a hope, an aspiration, a dream, a seed that you want to plant and nurture, yeah, and grow in this community. Kind of like the seed that was planted in that story, right? The seeds that we plant here the seeds that we plant at church are kind of like that everything seed. What we plant can grow into whatever it is that we imagine. And what we plant here, once it starts growing with everything else, will grow and change and become something bigger than what we can grow on our own. So here in my hands, I have a few pieces of seed paper that were sent to us by folks in the congregation. Here's what's written on them. One says, plant with love, 
harvest with joy. One says curiosity. Anyone tell me what curiosity means? Oh, I see a hand. Yes, please. Curiosity means that you're curious. I'm going to be, I'm going to be a little teacher-like. Uh, what if you had to define curiosity without using the word? If you don't know something, you would try to find it out, right? If you had a question or you didn't know something, you might not go with what you thought it was. You might go try to find out what it is. Beautiful. Another one of these says that my dream is that we can give and receive and grow. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to plant these seeds here. In this, in this earth that is fertilized with what we composted in the prior weeks, you might remember you were invited to write down on pieces of paper what you were letting go of and releasing. We dissolved those in the water of the congregation. Well, that's feeding this planting right here. And so we're going to plant these. And we're going to see what it is that grows. We're going to plant them. And we're going to water these seeds with water from our congregation, water from our water communion. And we are asking you to do the same thing. At the end of the service today, as the grown-ups leave the sanctuary. And so, um, young ones in the room, I invite you to make sure that you remind your grown-ups to do this. We'll invite your grown-ups to take a piece of seed paper with them out of the basket that's in the narthex out there. We're asking you not to take the paper that you brought, but to take someone else's to care for those seeds, those aspirations, as if they were your own. So you might go home with a piece of paper that says compassion. You might go home with a piece of paper that says solidarity or love or joy. And what we're asking you to do, maybe after the snow has melted, is to plant it somewhere to plant it somewhere and to water it and to nurture those dreams and aspirations as if they were your own because that is what we do here at church. The seeds that we plant are not for ourselves alone. They are for us together as a community. Amen? Amen. Amen. Okay. We have seeds... They're in the soil. What else do we need to grow these seeds? Sunlight. Sunlight. The hymn is this little light of mine. Would you rise? Bam. Oh, someone can help me. Yep. This little light of mine. Everybody sing.
in the center of our service together, just after we are blessed with the bustle and sound of the youngest among us moving into their places of spiritual growth and development, right after all of that sound, we take time in the center of our service for some quiet keeping together. We do this to remind ourselves back to our deeper centers. We do it so that we are ready to receive wisdom and compassion from each other. We do it together because rarely does a group this large make this little sound what a blessing to grow in these moments. From here, we hold community together and we pray. Let's begin with a bit of silence. I welcome you to find a space that allows you to access the quiet of your mind and heart. I'll watch the clock for a little while and I'll call us back with a song. For each child that's born, a morning star rises and sings to the universe who we are. For each child that's born, a morning star rises and sings to the universe who we are. We are our grandmother's prayers. And we are our grandfather's dreamings. We are the breath of our ancestors. We are the spirit of God. For each child that's born, a morning star rises and sings to the universe who we are. For each child that's born, a morning star rises and sings to the universe who we are. Welcome back. Bring the quiet with you into the current moment and in the moments to come. Bring it especially now that we hear and collect that we witness the joys, the concerns in our community amongst us. I'll start by saying that we hold Reverend Jen Crow and her family in our hearts. They are accompanying Reverend Jen's father, Cliff Feldwick, who begins hospice care tomorrow. Reverend Jen is in Baltimore to be with him. Let us allow our love and care to surround her and her family in this tender time. So may it be. Are there other threads that you might share? I invite you to speak them aloud now as as boldly or as quietly as you wish. <laughs> Will you pray with me? Dear one, untamable by name and reason, the common start of uncountable galaxies and unthinkable grace. We have never stopped being surprised at the suddenly happening sparks of life that we're holding now. We give thanks for the gift of living, 
and we are often challenged by the demand of it. We have been made aware of our kinship. We're praying to remind ourselves that we see you often, that that same sacred stuff that has made ourselves makes the sky and the seed and the sun. We want to do right by our family, the whole of creation. So teach us ever to be grateful. Teach us compassion in our hearts and our eyes. Teach us to discover the holiness in the tiniest thing and in all that holds the galaxies. This we pray together in peace and in love. So may it be, Ashe and Amen. Spirit of life. Dear ones, each week when we gather for worship, we make time for the practice of generosity. This week, our offering is a little different. As you might know, we are wrapping up our annual giving campaign today. So it's a very special day in that sense. If, as the baskets come around, you are inspired to make a gift now on the spot to support the congregation, you are always welcome to do so. There is information on how to do that that will be projected up on the walls. I invite the ushers to please come forward to receive this morning's offering. And I invite you to receive, give, and grow.
the, sound, the sound of good jazz makes me proud to be an American. <laughs> Um, it is, it's foundational to all that we know. And if you, don't, if you don't think you know jazz, I guarantee you it is influencing something that you do love. Uh, thank you to James Williams. Thank you, Franco, very much for, for your artistry and for bringing that to us. I have written here, it's spring. <laughs> I think you're right, Arif. I think I jinxed it. <laughs> well, okay. It is technically spring. Uh, and as I'm sure you're all aware, human cultures acknowledge spring in a bunch of different ways, like Easter and Passover and Astara, celebration of the Buddha's birthday and his enlightenment. All over the Northern Hemisphere, we're celebrating. Or, you know, we were and we will again. Don't worry. <laughs> the variety of these celebrations is rich, but the themes are usually pretty similar, coming through something really difficult into something easier. For most of my life, and I'm sure for some of you, I didn't really have that. I wasn't part of a religious community, and I didn't have what I saw everyone else around me doing celebrating something about spring together. Until I learned about Yuri's Night. Created by the United Nations as a holiday for all humanity, Yuri's Night is celebrated on April 12th, just last week, as the anniversary of the first human spaceflight. Yuri Gagarin was an ordinary guy. The Soviets picked him for just that reason. Born to peasants, became a metal worker, kind of short, had a nice smile, 
If this guy could go to space, anybody could. His fellow cosmonauts in training voted for him to go up first, so they must have really liked him. <laughs> or, or really didn't, right? <laughs> As liftoff began, he said the Russian version of, off we go, which later became a space geek catchphrase. He blasted up there in his rickety ship. This was 1961. Think about technology in 1961. We had computers, but they were mostly made out of vacuum tubes and hope. <laughs> I'm not kidding about the vacuum tubes. <laughs> Yuri's spacecraft, the Vostok 1, looked like a water heater. A big beige cylinder with a chrome sphere on top. But it did the job. No human had ever flown so high before. A dog, a monkey, some fruit flies, but no humans had ever exited Earth's bubble. For those of us who've lived our whole lives in the space age, that can feel easy to take for granted. But for Yuri Gagarin, it felt important enough to risk his life for. Yuri flew at about 17,500 miles per hour. He became the first human to orbit the Earth one full time, and he did it in about an hour and a half. An hour and a half. Incredible. This was his flight path. He, uh, it included the Southern Hemisphere, down between South America and Antarctica, back over North, over Africa, and back into the same day he had left, through the night and back into the exact same day he'd left from. Amazing. On reentry, his spacecraft actually malfunctioned a little bit, shaking him violently, but he didn't panic, he was trained for this, and he was able to eject over Russia as planned. The celebrations to mark Yuri's return were the biggest since the end of World War II, 16 years before. He went on tour through 30 countries, and his story was published in newspapers across the world. This regular guy had become a global superhero. Now, it feels a little funny to be talking about a Russian hero right now, what with all that's going on, but the thing that I want to invite us to remember is that Russia is full of regular people, just like Yuri. And that Yuri's night isn't about Russia alone, it's about humanity together. Yuri's story is part of a shared human story. The United Nations made it a holiday and named it the International Day of Human Spaceflight. Humans from many places and eras helped each other develop this science and technology. Astronomy from the ancient world, flight from the west, combustible fuel from the east, and yes, one brave Soviet citizen. Today, space programs are still some of the most internationally cooperative industries, whose discoveries aid in medicine, technology, and resisting climate change here on Earth. Among the 600 other people who've been to space since Yuri, a psychological phenomenon called the overview effect has been noted, where the astronauts feel a state of awe, transcendence, and oneness with the entire Earth as they look down. The first human spaceflight happened in 1961. Do you know what else happened in 1961? The Unitarians and the Universalists merged. We recognized that we had more in common than not. We honored the past, and something rooted but new began to grow. Our faith is one of the space age, which recognizes inherent worthiness across a connected globe. Our faith is one which speaks truth to power, which is part of the great story of life on Earth. Let me tell you a version of that story. Throughout human existence, longer even than our history, we've been tracing our stories onto stars. With just distant points of light on an inviting black canvas, we've seen pictures, stories, maps, and mysteries. By 500 BCE, Greeks had guessed that we orbit the sun, rather than the other way around. We think the ancient world had quite advanced astronomy, but when the library of Alexandria and Egypt burned, we lost a great trove of learning. We lost centuries of human endeavor, and it took us ages, literal ages, to catch back up. It wasn't until the 1500s, 2,000 years later, that Copernicus figured it out again, and people in power were furious. 
Galileo, who came after him, was convicted of heresy and confined to his home until his death, all for trying to understand the cosmos as it really is. It took another 400 years for us to finally poke our head outside, for the first human to go out there, for humans to work together well enough for long enough to make it possible. And we did it. Yuri Gagarin risked his life hurtling through inhospitable nothingness and came back uninjured, alive. If you ask me, that's a story that fits alongside the great celebrations that I mentioned earlier. That's a story worthy of spring. Now, Unitarian Universalism is a community of many faiths. For me, space is a key part of my spirituality. I talk about it a lot. <laughs> so I know that it's not everybody's cup of tea. It's vast, mysterious, even a little bit scary. To a lot of folks, and probably to some of you, all this space stuff seems silly. The stuff of Trekkie geeks, totally unrealistic. And I think that's because in our day-to-day -day lives, we've somehow forgotten that it is fact, not science fiction, that we are part of the cosmos. Every time we bask in the sunshine or gaze up at a full moon, there it is. Every particle of our bodies has existed in some combination or other since the Big Bang because nothing is created or destroyed. It only changes. Which is why the beloved astrophysicist Carl Sagan became known for saying, we are star stuff. Space is our hometown, but we've forgotten our cosmic context. Here's what I mean by cosmic context. We've heard Yuri's story and the story of human spaceflight, but what about the story of life on Earth itself? Besides the Milky Way, we estimate that there are 100 to 200 billion other galaxies. This uh, recent photo from the James Webb Telescope, all those points of light are galaxies, not stars. Incredible. And each galaxy has 100 to 400 billion stars in it. There is a lot of out there, out there. But right here, a lot of extremely particular circumstances all coincided. Conditions were just right, and life emerged. Life is something extremely special. Because a star, any one of those billions of stars, can take shape, burn its fuel, and then it dies out. It can't seek any more fuel, and it can't make more of itself. But life can. Life can intentionally resist entropy. By doing so, by eating and making babies, life resurrects relentlessly. <laughs> the circle of life. <laughs> life resurrects. Life on Earth is the part of the universe which is trying as hard as it can not to die. That's our cosmic context. So the harm which we cause each other and life on Earth flies in the face of our cosmic purpose. While pain and death are facts of life, causing them unnecessarily is antithetical to our entire existence as living beings. If we are a part of the universe on a mission to live, then genocide, deathly prejudices, gun massacres, and climate change are madness on an epic scale. Yuri Gagarin himself said, orbiting Earth in the spaceship, I saw how beautiful our planet is. People, let us preserve and increase this beauty, not destroy it. I'll briefly mention that I hope you'll join us again next week to hear from our environmental justice team for Earth Day, where they'll focus much more on Earth and nature. I want to put us in their cosmic context, but they're all connected. The life that has emerged on this planet is precious. And in my opinion, that's exactly why spaceflight matters. Not because it could make billionaires a bunch of money. They should not be in charge of it. But because life is, if life is the part of the universe that doesn't want to die, we're going to need to move and spread out eventually. Whether that be in five decades or five millennia. 
Through the processes of nature, through evolution, collaboration, and ingenuity, humanity has developed the ability to go to space. I think there's a reason for that. For better or worse, it's become our role among the species to steward Earth's incredible variety of life. One method to increase our chances is to spread life across the universe so it can keep doing what it does best, grow and change and live. While that is a distant possibility, a hope on the horizon, there are smaller ways to steward well-being in this life that we share today. Today, we've planted seeds, nourished by changes gone past. We've made commitments to the garden of this gathered community. Many of you have participated in the visionary goals sessions, which will set a path for the congregation to follow in the coming years. Because we are a community of spirituality and faith, it helps to remember the ultimate purposes for why we do such things together, to remind ourselves of our universal interdependence so that we may reduce harm and steward the mutual flourishing of all life, both here and beyond. In Octavia Butler's splendid science fiction novel, Parable of the Sower, I'm seeing some nods, this is great. She writes, quote, we are all God's seed, but no more or less so than any other aspect of the universe. God's seed is all there is, all that changes. Earth seed is all that spreads earth life to new earths. The universe is God's seed. Only we are earth seed. And the destiny of earth seed is to take root among the stars. Amid the raging fires and cold emptiness of space, here we float, brave and curious and alive. I invite you to remember your cosmic context. Go out there, feel the night sky, how it cradles us, waits for us. You are inextricably part of the great wholeness of the universe. Become aware of your living, breathing interdependence with all life on Earth and all that is beyond it. Work with others to reduce harm and steward life. Participate in the universe's epic, cosmic quest to live. In the words of Yuri Gagarin, off we go. I invite you to sing one more time. Rise with me. Let's sing 301. Touch the earth, reach the sky.
You are made of star stuff. The universe is alive in you, in every person you meet, and in all living beings. May that knowledge comfort your heart, renew your spirits, and guide the work of your hands. May it be so. Thank you for listening to this podcast from First Universalist Church of Minneapolis. We are a welcoming community that finds strength in the diversity of identities of all who find inspiration and comfort here. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider supporting our ministry. Text FIRSTUNIV, that's F-I-R-S-T-U-N-I-V, to 73256 to make your gift. If you are able to join us in person for Sunday worship, we'd love to see you in church. To learn more, visit us online at firstuniversalistchurch.org.